I'm JC Hurtado Prater, and you are listening to JC Talks, a podcast about life and leadership. I'm an organizational consultant and professor of business and leadership. My entire purpose is to help you, your team, and your organization be more impactful, more effective, and more profitable. When the leader gets it right, everybody wins. This podcast is my opportunity to share with you great interviews, great books, great articles, and the important lessons I'm learning on the journey. My only hope is that these next few moments add value to your life and to your leadership. Stay tuned. I have the great privilege of teaching at Azusa Pacific University, their school of business, and Point Loma Nazarene University, their school of business. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, it is such a joy and an honor for me. And in the last year and a half of getting started in this world of higher education, fully understanding my purpose, which is to teach and not just teach in higher ed, but also teach in corporate settings and, and just help people, empower leaders, empower teams. Um, to no one's purpose, you know, there's this great saying, I hear it a lot in churches, they say, you know, there's, I guess it's not just churches say this, but uh, I've heard the same before that says, uh, two of the most important days in your life, number one is the day you were born, that's your birthday, and number two is the, uh, is, is the day you figure out why. So. You were born, and then you figure out why you're born. And uh, I've I've known for some time now, but in the last year and a half, to be able to start doing this more on a full time basis has just been a joy of my life. So, uh, part of what I do, there's a class I'm teaching at uh, Azusa Pacific right now. It's for undergrads actually, and I there. It has been so much fun teaching these undergrad students. They are um, they're passionate and they're excited and they're they want to learn and so it really is an honor so we talked last week um the 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 course that i taught not not the course the class that i taught last week uh, i titled it the anatomy of great leadership this is a class of undergrads they're getting ready to graduate and i'm trying to fill them up with as much knowledge as i can practical knowledge about how to succeed in the real world <clears throat> these are future business leaders and nonprofit leaders and all that kind of stuff. So, okay, so here we go. I just wanted to read a little bit from uh, some of the slides. I've just copied off some of the slides that I uh, gave to them. And I just wanted to walk you through it. The anatomy of great leadership. Um, great leaders. So this is, we actually, so we do these things called leadership reflection moments. And in the leadership reflection moment, um, I, I typically show them videos of people that I look up to, people who are um, I- influencing how I think. And so this particular week, we watched a video of Simon Sinek as he talked about the leader versus manager. And right before we went into the lecture, I said <clears throat> um, this statement here, and, and I believe it was based on the video that we watched. Great leaders understand their, their, their success is no longer tied to their own work. Great leaders understand their success is tied to the success of those they lead or managers. That's probably one of the best definitions of leadership that's out there, okay, is understanding that when you're a leader, you go from 
this idea of doing the work and now you're empowering other people to do the work you're helping other people to do the work and one of the questions we ask and simon sinek talks about this one of the questions we asked is why do so many leaders struggle with micromanagement it's because they were experts in their field before they're now the leader and uh, that helps us understand the micromanager a little bit better. It's not that they're trying to micromanage. They've done the job before. They've been great at the job before, which is why they got promoted. They forgot that, hey, they're not supposed to do the job anymore. They're now empowering you to do the job. And how you get the job done may look different than how they did it, right? That's kind of how micromanaging works. It's never about somebody wanting to <clears throat> you know, get in your space and control. Well, I guess I'm trying to give people a benefit of the doubt. There are some micromanagers out there that uh, just have a real need for control. And, but I would, I would even say with those people, they don't even know why they have a need for control. They don't even know that they have a need for control. They see it as, Hey, I'm doing the right thing. I've been around longer than you. I've done this longer, whatever it is. I know the right answer. I, they can clearly see the answer in their head. And uh, it's hard for them to turn around. So that was a really great question that we talked about. But it's it's learning that it, when we are in the stage, the phase of leadership, and you get this if you're a leader out there, it's no longer doing the work. It's empowering other people to do the work. So here we go. The anatomy of great leadership. I've got a slide here that says, well, I asked the question, what is leadership? And then I answer with, and, and, and I found this in, in an academic journal, uh, leadership is often easy to identify in practice, but it is difficult to define precisely. Given the complex nature of leadership, a specific and widely accepted definition of leadership does not exist and might never be found. So that's important for us to understand is uh, the fact that there are so many definitions to leadership there's not one definition. I mean, we all think we have the definition of leadership, but there really isn't one definition. Dr. Fred Fiedler says these words. I need my glasses. Uh, there are almost as many definitions of leadership as there are leadership theories. And there are almost as many theories of leadership as there are psychologists working in the field. So the point we're trying to make, there's a lot of views of leadership. So what we talked about in this class is not necessarily the definition of leadership, but the components of leadership. What do you have to have in order to have great leadership? So here we go. There are four necessary components based on this lecture, four necessary components of leadership. One is this, leadership as a process. Number two is leadership as a person. Number three, leadership is contextual. Number four, leadership is circumstantial. Okay. So let's, let's walk through those quickly and talk about what they mean, the process of influence. And one of the things that we talked about uh, in this lecture is, um, and you've heard this said before, you understand this, leadership is influence, right? It's, if it's not doing the work, but it's, it's empowering other people to do the work, then what that means is you're influencing other people. You have to influence other people to get the work done. I'm going to take a drink here. So if you don't know how to influence other people, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to get the job done. Or you're going to be the one doing the work yourself. You're, you're going to be getting in there and doing the work. You know, I have a, a current boss right now. I've got like three or four different bosses. I, I have a life of complete freedom, but I still have bosses. 
And one of them, we are so much alike, which is probably why we've had a lot of we've had a lot of uh, tension in the past. And I love this man to death. I really do. I don't understand everything about his way of decision making. He doesn't understand everything about my way of decision making. But uh, he's my favorite boss because he just got out of my way. Uh, but one of the things we talked about is we took the Enneagram test. The two of us did. He is a three. I'm a, is it a three or seven? Three. I believe it is. He's a three and I'm a three. We're both achievers. Achievers mean you want to achieve. That means you want to do it, right? You want to get in there and you want to do it. Leadership means you're empowering other people to do the job. Uh, and so he has talked about this before, and I've actually talked about this before, that um, I study leadership and I talk about leadership because it helps me be, be a better leader because leadership doesn't necessarily come easy for me. It doesn't come naturally for me because I tend to be more of achiever. My current boss, he tends to be more of achiever. So achievers are wanting to do the work, do the work, and we do it extremely well. So when we see somebody else come in and they can't get the job done, it's frustrating. We're like, get the heck out of the way. We'll get the job done because we know how to get the job done because we are achievers, right? But then what do you do when you do that? You smash down someone else in leadership. You make other people feel negative about themselves. You're not empowering other people. And it's just not a good thing. So uh, leadership is influence. It's influencing other people to do the work. Now, what this lecture talked about is the fact that there are different processes of influence. What that really means is that there are different ways of influencing people, and you get to decide the way that you want to influence people. That uh, This is why you can't put one definition on leadership, because the reality is this. There are all different kinds of effective leaders, and there are all, all different kinds of effective leadership styles. And one of the things we talk about here, and which is what we're going to talk about in a second, is leadership is circumstantial and is contextual. So what may work in one part of the world will not work in another part of the world. What may work in one company will not work in another company. What, what may work with one set of uh, people won't work with another set of people. Years ago, I was on staff at a very large church here in San Diego County, and I was placed in leadership of um, a, a department within the Hispanic ministry. They were trying to go the, the Hispanic program. It was a large church and they were trying to build up the Hispanic ministry. They asked me to come on and help with the music and build the music program. Uh, and so I took over leadership. Now I tried to take in this mindset of American leadership because that's what I grew up with. I'm Afro Latino, but I grew up around white people. I was trained and raised and my values come from more of a Caucasian setting, if that's, if that's even a thing. And so I came in with the mindset of leadership that I'm going to lead based on what I've been taught and based on what American people want. It didn't work. And for the first two years, I struggled maybe a year and a half. I think it was struggle, struggle. And this thing wouldn't grow. I, you know, this is, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, um, it, it, you know, this, this, you know, this, this program wouldn't go. And then when I started understanding, okay, I've got to lead this group of people based on how they want to be led based on what is best for them. One of the things I found out is that in a more uh, Americanized culture, honesty is valued a little bit more. So you can be more authentic. We actually value that, right? Authenticity, radical truth, radical transparency. Brene Brown talks about how important it is for leaders to be authentic and tell your truth. Uh, Ray Dalio, a billionaire, talks about the importance of radical truth, radical transparency. Both of these people are white. They're, they're, uh, they, they are pushing forward more of an Americanized view of leadership. This doesn't work in the Hispanic uh, Latino uh, world. I remember one night 
taking that mindset into this group of people and saying, okay, let's be transparent with each other and let's get it all out on the table. <laughs> we, and I say we, because again, I'm Afro-Latino, we are passionate people. And we did that that night and I'll never forget uh, what happened. Uh, it was so much chaos. I thought we were going to have to call the cops because everyone started getting truthful. But in that culture, that's just not how it works. OK, I think it's a great rule to have. Uh, what I saw in that culture more was they would be very polite to your face, but they would talk behind your back like nobody's business. <laughs> and they would say the same thing. That's in a matter of fact, someone told me later, hey, that was a good thing that you tried. And you're you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, kudos for you for trying. But in this culture, this just doesn't work. This is how historically it's done. And most of the people in this music program were 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 Mexican. Right. So the Mexican culture is different. You don't confront people to their face typically. Right. But you will talk behind their back. Right. But that's just kind of how it's done. And so to try to fight that. So I learned that in that culture, it does not work. Right. That culture preferred more of a top down. You tell us what to do. You set the vision. You're in charge. You are leader. You 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 tell us what you want to see happen and we'll do it. Right. And, and once I learned that about them and I and I became that leader, uh, everything fixed and we started to grow and it was incredible. Right. But in other contexts, if you walk in with another group of people and soon after that, I led another team and they were more of an Americanized mindset, you walk in with a top-down approach that's not collaborative, to that, that doesn't listen to them, that doesn't value their opinion, you're off the boat, buddy. You're gone. You're done, right? So it doesn't work. So leadership can't be defined in one way because it's so different depending on where you are, and you understand that. So some of the ways that we talk about here in this, in this lecture, we talked about there's a process of influence, which means you can influence through charisma, and you probably know what that is. Uh, the people who have charisma, they just have big personalities. They uh, People just want to follow them. There's something about them that are just, it's absolutely charismatic. Uh, you can lead through legitimacy. That means through your position, right? So you're an organizational manager. You're an organizational executive. You throw your title out when people don't respect you and boom, automatically they're going to follow you because you have legitimacy. You've been given rank and a title within the organization. So people are going to follow you. You can follow through the reward system, right? Hey, if you do this, I'm going to reward you with this. That's one way to lead. You can follow through expertise. Be so good at what you do. Be so good at, at your craft that people can't help but follow you. They say, man, this person is so good. What they're doing is so good. What they're selling is such a great product. I'm going to follow them because they're great at what they do. You can lead through relationships, right? So you can build relationships and that takes more time sometimes. And, and again, going back to the, um, to the Hispanic ministry is what they called it. The Hispanic ministry, uh, uh, I found that relationships worked a great deal. They wanted top down, but they also wanted relationship. So when people invited you to their home, they expect you to be there. They expect you to show up and they and and they expect you to be late. That was part of the culture too. You can be late, but you walk in and, and I and I remember one night, and I don't want to get too much into this because I can tell all kinds of stories here. I remember one night it was around Christmas time and I went into this home and, and uh, it was probably a two bedroom apartment, but there probably six, seven, eight people live in there. And all of them had come out uh, for the, I think it was a Friday night. They invited me over for dinner and I wasn't quite used to this, but they had set their table. And, and this was a small apartment. It would have been a low income uh, house, uh, a low income neighborhood. Um, and I remember walking in and they just had everything spread out and the whole family was sitting there and it just, uh, they had emptied their fridge. I mean, in America, 
with Americanized mindset, you just like if you have you have meat and you have a vegetable, you have a carb, you have bread, salad, and that's pretty much. And then you have dessert. And this is kind of how it's done. This family literally emptied out their fridge. They had everything. They had like crackers and cookies and they had meat and potatoes and they had, you know, tor- you know, tortillas and they had, you know, this over here and this. And it was just like everything. And, and I think someone told me later they literally emptied out their fridge because you were the guest of honor. I'm getting emotional thinking about that. That was a beautiful moment. Um, and I learned with that group of people, relationships matter. And again, when I learned how to be a top-down leader and build relationships, so what they wanted, instead of getting into a room and talking about everything they're frustrated about, no, get into a room or go outside in someone's backyard, have a cookout and just have a ton of fun and have someone bring the karaoke machine and do karaoke, turn the music on and just have tons of fun. And that's how we did our team building. We just, we just did team building as opposed to talking things out. We just had fun. That's what that culture wanted. And I'm thinking, as I'm talking to you about it, I'm, I'm thinking back with such great uh, fond memories because these people were just, they became family to me. They were just the most incredible group of people. And I learned a lot about leadership with them. I love them to this day. So relationships, ability to empower. This is probably the way that I would rather lead uh, personally, but it means that you're leading your process of influences, that you're empowering other people. That means you're giving power away. You're giving responsibility away. You got to, now you have to have accountability there. That's really important, but you're giving responsibility, you're giving power, you're giving authority away, uh, and then you're giving the praise away. When they do a great job, they're the ones who get to stand up and take the praise for it. It's no longer about you. So that's so these are ways that you can influence. Uh, so that's the process of influence. Leadership as a person, right? Uh, who am I and what am I doing really, right? So one of the things we talked about is is important for people as for us as leaders, because look, you can't have leadership if you don't have people. And it's really tough to have leadership if you don't have either a foundational idea. I am moving towards the, the um, I do believe that if you have a group of healthy, functional people, an idea can be the greatest leader in the room. It can be, okay? That can happen. And I could talk for hours about that, about how ideas do really run the world, okay? Uh, and people sign up for movements because of the idea behind the movement. So ideas can, but you really need a person to champion that idea as well, right? I think about our country, United States of America, civil rights, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, they became the faces of an idea. A lot of people had the idea of civil rights. They were the face of the idea. And had had it not been for them, civil rights may not have reached uh, the point where it reached, right? So we need a face. I think every great idea, uh, a leadership has to start with an idea, right? It's That's the core of it, right? You don't lead just to lead. You lead because you have a great idea. You you lead because you have a great product. You lead because you have a great service. And that's what leads it. But then you have to have a person who champions that. So uh, leadership does involve a person. It, it, it involves a process, but it also involves a person. And uh, that person has dispositional characteristics. They have certain behaviors. They have certain attributions about them. And they also have a follower perceptions. All of this goes into who the person is, right? Uh, and so there are things that you can change. You can change characteristics about yourself. You, you can change behaviors. If you work really hard, you can change some of the attributes about yourself. There are certain things about our character that are pretty much stuck, but we also can make changes. Um, and then all of that can help with our follower perceptions. Um 
one of the things we talked about is it's really important that leaders understand who they are. They need to know what their purpose is, what their vision is, what their mission is, what their principles are, what their values are. And a matter of fact, in the next episode, we're going to talk about this a little bit more because I had a revelation while going through some of this. And that revelation is this, is that uh, for the last three to four or five years, I have been basing my life first on purpose and then on uh, and then on vision and then on mission and then on principles and values. And I realized it was upside down. Principles come first, the guiding philosophy. And you have to decide what that is for you, for your organization, for your team. Uh, but then after that guiding philosophy comes your principles. And I would say that your guiding philosophy comes out of your principles. But then you have your principles and your principles are the foundational beliefs that you hold. These are unchanging. Then you have your values. Your values are your, it's your behavior. It's the behavior that you want to see, right? So when an organization puts up values all over their company. These are the behaviors that they want to see. They want to see trustworthy employees. They want to see focused employees. They want to see uh, employees that exhibit integrity, right? Like all of this is important. Uh, but a leader needs to know themselves. They need to know what is their guiding philosophy? What are their guiding principles? What are their guiding values? What is their guiding purpose? What is their guiding vision? What is their guiding mission? A leader needs to know this about themselves. Great leaders know what this, what these are, right? Matter of fact, my class that I'm teaching, we're going to be learning about these in coming weeks. So I'm very excited about them. Uh, number three is this leadership is contextual. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to explain something in a second, but I'll just mention these last uh, two here. So leadership is contextual. It's based on the context and it goes back to kind of what I said before, leading one way in another, in one part of the world will not necessarily work in another part of the world, probably will not work in another part of the world, may not even work too miles over, right? You've got to learn how to lead within the context. That context determines um, your leadership. And then leadership is circumstantial, right? So based on the circumstances, not just the place and time, but also based on the circumstances, uh, that's going to affect your leadership. And here's the example that I gave. In the last, so going all the way back to 19, uh, going all the way back to 1980. Okay. So let's go all the way back to 1979, which is when I was born. So this is 42 years back. And in 1980, I believe, um, I'm going to take a drink here real quick because I just came down. Uh, I'm coming through this, uh, cold a little bit. Um, and I'm much better this week, much, much better this week. Um, but I'm so dehydrated. It's not even funny. And then I just went back to the gym for the first time in two weeks. Woohoo! That was a hard workout. Let me tell you what, that was an incredibly hard workout back to leadership all the way back 42 years ago. Okay. Back to when I was born 1979, Ronald Reagan would have been running against Jimmy Carter for the presidency. Jimmy Carter was the sitting president, Ronald Reagan. So he was the incumbent. Ronald Reagan was running. Ronald Reagan won, which ushered in an entirely, uh, so I guess this would have been the, the election of 1980 and he would have taken office, I'm guessing in 1981. That's what it would look like, right? So he, he was elected in 1980, took over in 1981. This is about 40 years ago, over 40 years ago. And it ushered in an entirely new way of thinking about the world, uh, less regulation, uh, which was great for business. Uh, that's where the whole, uh, the movie, um, Wall Street came out of, right? Greed is good. That was kind of the uh, fundamental belief that came out of the 80s. And it was just, you know, corporations took over. And I remember a little bit, there was something about the 80s. I will tell you this, 
there was something about the 80s about the way that men dressed and the way that women dressed. There was a classiness to the 80s that but it's just not not now. And I know I'm looking back. I'm doing what you do when you get older. You look back on times past. And and again, I was a kid, so I don't know too much about this. But I remember going to some parties and and uh, certain things. And and I remember how how the ladies dressed. They had big hair and they had big shoulder pads and men in their suits and the suits had big shoulder pads. And it was just a different just a different way of, of living. But that was about 12 years. You had Ronald Reagan followed by George Bush, 12 years of Republican rule and just everything that that represented in America. And typically, uh, 12 years is about all one party gets in unless you're in a place like California, where I am. <laughs> and then, you know, it's a one party rule forever. Or there might be some other conservative places in America where it's 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 like California, but it's the opposite. So, but 12 years is about one party gets. So 12 years was up. Uh, and then uh, a gentleman by the name of Bill Clinton came in. He beat the incumbent president, George Bush. Uh, Bill Clinton came in. So we're talking about leadership being contextual and circumstantial, right? So the question that I, I asked of the class is, would Barack Obama have been elected in 1980? No. I mean, you know that the question is, no, racism was still I mean, it's still alive and well in today. It's still alive and strong today. But back in the 80s, right after the 70s, not a chance. Right. So it wouldn't have happened. Uh, Would Donald Trump have been elected back in 1980? Probably not. Right. He just it wasn't the time for someone like that, although Ronald Reagan was a movie star and got elected. So, I mean, who knows? But it wouldn't have been Donald Trump's time. Probably Bill Clinton would not have been elected in 1980. Right. That would never have happened. Um, so, so here's what I'm trying to say. So you have Bill Clinton and then after this, um, who's elected to the presidency, you have Bill Clinton for eight years. And what happens during Bill Clinton's, um, you know, during his time in office? Well, he has a scandal. He has a really big scandal, almost brought down his presidency. He had an affair with an intern, almost brought down the presidency. And so after that, there was kind of a fatigue that uh, America had towards scandal because Clinton really did have. And I, I actually like Clinton as a person. I've read books about him. I actually got to meet him when I was in South Korea. I like him as a person. I liked Hillary Clinton as a person. I still like her as a person. I think she was an incredible candidate for for the presidency. And I think what she's done for our country, what they both have done in public service is just second to none. But because of the scandals that he had, America wanted something different. Uh, now, that could be argued because it was a very close election back in 2000. But George Bush won out and we had eight years of George Bush compassionate conservatism, you know, conservative uh, conservatism. Uh, people uh, may disagree on this, but I know that there are a large group of people who believe that George Bush was the best option for what we went through with September 11th. We probably got off our way a little bit when we went into Iraq and Afghanistan and some of the things we did there, some of the choices we made. I think we, we lost our way a little bit there. Um, but I think George Bush in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, uh, he really had strong leadership, which is what our country needed. Now, eight years of Bush. And what did we get? John McCain ran for the presidency as as, as Republican nominee. Uh, and next to John McCain, uh, running against John McCain. So you got so this is 2008 now and you've got Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Uh, running on the Democratic side, Barack Obama wins out uh, in that, and Barack Obama ultimately wins the presidency. 
leadership is circumstantial leadership is contextual he ran on this idea of hope and change hope and change yes we can so what the change was is look we've had years of white men older white men who've been leading the country now let's give a younger african man uh african-american man a chance and barack obama was the person to do it he could not have ran and won in 1980 or 1970 1950 1940 right it was the perfect time for a man like him to step up a guy with his name barack Hussein, Hussein Obama it was the perfect time for him to run. Leadership is circumstantial and contextual. Now watch this. After eight years of Barack Obama, there was a wide swath of people in the United States that felt like they were missing out. They felt like their voices weren't being heard. So what happened after that? We quickly reverted um, as a country uh, and the votes came out and Donald Trump of all people, Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton, who has a resume that very few people could stand on. Incredible resume, incredible brilliance and smarts and incredibly educated. Now, they both were great. You know, they both were well educated. Um, but she is what we typically think of as a stateswoman and a politician who won that election. Donald Trump. Why? Because of the circumstances, because of the context of the time. People, there was a big group of people that felt that they were being lost out in the changes of America. And so they put Donald Trump in office and and obviously he lost. And again, con context and circumstances. Well, what happened uh, during Donald Trump's uh, e, uh, his time in office? You had uh, COVID-19 hit uh, 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 the global pandemic hit. And then here in America, we had racial injustice like nobody's business. I am not sure. Uh, personally, that that Donald Trump uh, really met the moment with both of those issues. And he was more of a chaotic president for better, for worse. And so what happens? Leadership is circumstantial. Leadership is contextual. So what happened? Joe Biden, who was a calming influence, was elected to the U.S. president. So you so you get the idea of what I'm saying. Um, each of these people probably would not have been elected at different parts in their history. I think Joe Biden ran for president a few times back in the 80s and 90s and just never made it past the nomination. It was his time uh, for why he ran. Same with Donald Trump, same with Barack Obama, same with George Bush, same with Bill Clinton. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this idea of leadership. So when we talk about the anatomy of great leadership, it's so much more than just this idea of, hey, uh, if you have these three traits, if you're a great communicator and you have integrity and you're a man of trust, that people are going to follow you. It takes a lot more than that. Um, leadership is a process, right? There's a process of, of influence and you get to choose what that looks like. All four of the presidents that I just mentioned, I would say, or all four or five of them, I guess five of them, I would say all five of them have charisma for sure. That's if you want a public place in leadership, you're going to have to have some kind of charisma, but uh, there are other ways in the organization. It might be different CEOs. There are CEOs that have very little charisma, right? And there are politicians, probably not at the presidential level, but there are politicians out there who also lack charisma as well. So you get to choose your process of influence. Uh, as a person, you decide who you are as a person. Leadership is contextual, and then leadership is circumstantial. That's all I got for you today. Hope you're having a great day. Um, great day, great week. And um, yeah, I'll see you on the next episode of JC Talks, the leadership podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we offer episodes just like this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to my podcast, JC Talks, a leadership podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your podcast and be the first to get new episodes three times every week.
I'll see you soon.